I mean, Jared, even when he makes a mistake, he's still smooth, isn't he? I mean, to be a youth pastor, you got to be that way. I'll let you know in on some uh, inside communication between us. He was new, and he and Megan, who's here, uh, were traveling up to Ohio to visit with family, and I'm from the great state of Kentucky, the bluegrass state, and, and I said, now, when you're traveling through, be sure to, to look for that monument that was erected on my behalf of me. And he's a sharp guy, and he, uh, he gets about to central Kentucky, where I'm from, and he texts me, and he says, I've just left Lexington. I saw the monument. I admired it, but I am moving on with my life. <laughs> I tell you what, he is smooth, isn't he? We're glad to have him. We really are. Some Boy Scouts were camping for the first time by the river. They were getting eat up by mosquitoes. So they climbed in their sleeping bags the best they could, and one of them peered out, and he looked around, and he saw lightning bugs, but he wasn't sure, and he said, guys, get in your bags. They're coming at us with flashlights. (laughs) Jesus said, let your light so shine before human beings, before the world, that they'll see your good works. And they'll glorify the Father. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you've called us to greatness. You've called us to give off a brilliant light that is based in you as our source. And so as you have transformed us and continue to transform us, Let our light so shine. Let Pittman Park shine that others may be pointed toward you. May the words of my mouth bring illumination and may they be acceptable to you. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, the light of the world. Amen. Well, Jesus does a treatise. He does a teaching lesson for those early disciples. And he sends them out. And as he sends them out, he says this. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can the saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything but thrown out and trampled underfoot. And so he gives us the imagery of salt. Salt was used for uh, a sign of purity. It symbolized that. Uh, It was a preservative. And it's a seasoning. And he is saying, be cautious not to lose your saltiness. Be vital and alive. And then he builds on that imagery by saying, you are light. You are salt and you are light. In that first century, darkness prevailed and there was a longing for truth and and people worshipped many, many gods. And they were longing 
for something real. In fact, uh, there was brokenness and corruption all about. It was rampant. It sounds like our headlines today, doesn't it? Sounds like our world in need of light. And he said, you're a city built on a hill. And a city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. Many of us focus on the wrong lights. I think about those ships. There were battleships, and and they were maneuvering, and they were moving out into the sea, and, and one of them in the nest as a post above the ship saw a light, and he was concerned about it. And so he called down to the captain, and he said, light bearing on the starboard bow, and it's steady and moving forward. And the captain said, is it moving astern? And he said, no, captain, it's steady. He said, signalmen, send that one a light signal that we're on a collision course, and you must move 20 degrees. A light came back and said, I advise you to change your direction 20 degrees. The captain was frustrated, and he had the signal man call out again through light signal. I am a seaman second class, and I say to you, you must turn 20 degrees. The light came back, I advise you to change 20 degrees. And finally, the captain said, send him this message. I am a battleship. Change course 20 degrees. And the light signal came back. I am a lighthouse. (laughs) Some in this world are headed for danger, for a collision with destruction, and they're following the wrong light. And so there's a sense of urgency. That God has called us to offer light to this world. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. We've moved through a series. The first part of that series was talking about our relationship with Jesus Christ and how we moved from a religion to a relationship. Today, We celebrate that we need relationships in the church. And we talked about that last week. But in this hour, I want us to focus on our circle of influence and how we are placed in a strategic position. We are postured in such a way to influence the lives of those around us. And it is no mistake where we are. God has us where we are for a reason. And so I want to encourage you to look at your message notes as we look at these circles of influence, these relationships of influence. And I want you, as we move through this, to ask the question, God, how can I be of greater influence? How can I be a better light, a more brilliant light, a light that shines in such a way that I point other lives to you? the one true light. How can I be a witness 
as a light? Well, one of the ways is we can look about our table. That'd be a good way to say it in the South, wouldn't it? Look about the table. And who sits about the table so often with us? It's family and friends. And I know some of you here today are wondering, have I failed at being a witness? My adult children have grown up and uh, some have become prodigals. And, I, and I'm just wondering, can I still make a difference in their lives? And I want to say absolutely yes. God can do anything and he can use you. And I believe that he has positioned you for a lifelong witness. And I think about some of us who have children still at home. And some of us who have grandchildren. In a wonderful way, God has has placed us as a skylight to see the one true light. You see, children develop their image of God based on their parents and their grandparents. And if we are gracious and loving, if we set boundaries, so it is that they develop their relationship of who God is. And so we have an opportunity, no matter what age our children are, to have an influence on them, to have an influence on their children and their children's children and on their friends. And so as you look about the table, I'm talking about the Christian home. I'm talking about the influence that you have outside these walls. And so look about the table. Solomon says, train up a child in the way it should go, and when it is old, it will not stray. Delia and I have some extended family, and they know that we're in the ministry, and they're not churchgoers, and I would suggest to you that they're ambivalent related to their faith. And one of the things that we've tried to do is is not to preach at them, not necessarily to tell them that they're wrong in any kind of way. We just simply try to be there for them. We try to be there for them. And there are those seasons where I believe there is a receptivity to faith, more so than others. And so we try to have a ministry of presence, even with those family members that are unbelievers. I believe that God has placed us in a position of influence. You could walk across the street. I think of the influence that you have. Studies show that each one of us can touch at least 10,000 people in a significant way over the lifetime that we live out. And we can walk across the street. We can go to our neighbor. We can simply have a ministry of friendship and be able to shed light It says in the scripture that when we do good works, they will glorify the Father. I think about the Samaritan woman. Remember her? She had so many strikes against her. She was a woman in that culture, and and so she was considered lower class. Uh, She wanted to go to the well at high noon because she knew that, well, that was part of her role as a woman. She would go to the well. But the other was she was considered a half-breed. She was a Samaritan. Half Jew, half Samaritan. So she 
really was in no man's land or no woman's land, if you would. But she also had a reputation. A reputation that was one that counted her as loose and unfaithful. One that had been married multiple times and was living with the one who was not her husband. And Jesus entered into a very beautiful conversation with her. And he built a bridge. He stirred her curiosity because he knew what it must be like to come to that well at high noon in the heat of the day. And so he said, would you give me a drink? And then he bridged that word picture to living water. I know how to give you living water. Well, you'll, you'll never thirst again. And in a wonderful way, she turned and she dropped her bucket and she ran to that village called Sychar. This woman that had so many strikes against her. God put her in a position of influence so much so that when she entered that city, she said, come, come and see the man that knows everything about me. He told me everything I've ever done. And it says that that whole village came to know Christ because of that one woman's testimony. And I really believe that people still bring people. Yesterday we had a leadership retreat and it was a great experience. And out of it we talked about how um, through social media we can communicate with people, stay in touch with them, discern needs, get information disseminated. But out of that, I think we all left with the understanding that while that communication is so important and we need to communicate the gospel in the culture we're in, that people still bring people. People still bring people to Christ. And you have been placed in a position of eternal significance. God has put you in a place to shine light him. In a community where I served, there was a family that had a very ill child. That child who was an infant needed surgery, and it was an unchurched family, and we had been praying about it in our church and praying for that child, even though they were unaffiliated with our church. And some folks decided to, to do some things, and so one provided a, a meal, another provided a meal. These were folks that uh, were in my church that were in the neighborhood where we lived and they wanted to respond. And I went to visit that family in the hospital and what I found was that people from different churches and our churches would come and one person would come in the lobby and the room would get brighter. And one of our church members came and prayed with this family, a neighbor of all of us, and the room got brighter. And somebody said from another church, look, I'll take care of the other two that you have. I'll babysit them. Don't worry. We've got them covered. I'll take them for the afternoon. And the room got brighter. Do you know why it got brighter? Because the Christian community befriended someone in need. There are two significant moments, two major moments when people are receptive to the gospel. During transitions. Change, when people move to a community, when they get settled in, that is critical in terms of us being able to reach out. 
The other is trauma. When people are hurting, when they're in the midst of crisis, when they have a need, there's a vulnerability and there's an openness to us being compassionate and shining the light of Christ. So men and women today, I want to say to you, God has placed you under appointment in a significant place of influence about the table and simply a walk across the street. But also we have a reach around the world. We have a reach around the world. In Acts 1.8 it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I think about when I helped um, some of our youth at a church where I served, we were moving uh, furniture in for a habitat house. And it was a family that had two little girls. And I had seen, I had seen where they had lived before. Their furniture was dilapidated. Uh, there was a rancid smell in that apartment. And they had to share a bed and a room. Not just a room, but a bed as well. And so the youth group, Jared, brought in furniture, and they had helped raise support. The church helped build the Habitat House, but they helped raise support in providing a bed for each of those girls. And I remember one of them, she jumped up and down on the bed, and she said, I've got my very own bed in my very own room. And I want to say to you, men and women, that room got bright. And her mother said, now, girl, you quit jumping on that bed. And we said, honey, don't you worry about it. You jump all you want. She was caught up in the joy because light had filled her house because the Christian community had reached beyond its walls to make a difference. And I think about you today. Did you know that when you gave to this offering plate, you were in Sudan today, and you provided a well with fresh drinking water for a village? You've reached around the world. Did you know that today, in Darfur, you provided mosquito nets so that children could sleep under them to help eliminate the spread of malaria. Did you know that today as you gave, in part, you provided a medical mission team, or at least helped with that, who goes to Haiti annually. Susan DeBonis has been part of that. And, and they set up a triage and they, and they minister to hundreds and hundreds of families who otherwise would have no medical attention. You've got to reach around the world. And it, it's interesting to me that Jesus didn't say, now just you know, try to shine your light to your family, okay? J just try to shine your light to your friends because you're used to being with them. You're comfortable. Share Christ with your friends. He said that, yes, but he also said, get outside of your comfort zone. 
Move on out. Be an externally focused church. And you know, there's so much need in this world, isn't there? I mean, there really is. There's so much brokenness, so much sin, and such need that sometimes we think, does it really matter? Am I going to make a dent? If I reach across the table, if I walk across the street, if I, if I reach around the world, I believe that one day we are going to get to heaven, and I believe we're going to be surprised by some of the folks we see there. And they'll be surprised to see us. And, and when we get there, when we get there, I believe somebody in your circle of influence will thank you. And they will say, you know what? When you thought it didn't matter, it made a world of difference. Thank heavens for you. It matters to them and it matters to God that we shine our light. We don't hide it under a bushel. No. (laughs) We shine the light of Christ for the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.